All right. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of the day it is for you, whatever time you are tuning in and listening. We thank you for being here and for joining the Rooted Leadership Podcast today, for joining our show. This is your host, Chris Panetta. And as always, we are downtown in Salem, Oregon in studio. I'm always happy to be here. As of late, for several months, I've been alone here in studio uh, recording these as guests join us on Zoom. And that's what we're going to do again today. And even our co-host Salam uh, has been joining on via Zoom lately and staying in his place of residence. So I've been alone here, but don't feel bad for me because it is enriching and inspirational and motivating all of the above to to be able to do this, right? To be able to learn from these these individuals that we have on the show. So um, do not feel bad for me at all. I love being able to do this and spending time with these individuals. But I will be honest, I'm very excited for the day that we can get our guests back in studio and I can look across the table here, see them face to face, and that's not too far away. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that. But before I get into our guest today and introduce uh, who she is, I want to do what we always, per tradition, I'll say, Tell any new listeners what, what it is that we're all about and why, we're, why we hold this podcast, why we call it a leadership podcast. Um, because first of all, don't let, don't let the leadership component of this podcast turn you off if you are not in a leadership position um, or have a leadership role that is totally fine. In fact, it doesn't matter what you do, whether it's professionally or personally, uh, I would... I would uh, be confident in saying that you will find plenty to take away from from uh, this podcast and the things that we discuss here. So whether you're a parent, a sibling, a friend, a child, a colleague, an employee, a boss, all right, uh, it, the, the things we discuss here are, are applicable across the board. But back to why we call it a leadership podcast. This is part of a leadership institute that we started here in our community called Groundwork. And the intent of, the intent of Groundwork was to raise the tide of leaders in our community uh, to cr- help create a community that strives to deeply see one another's people. And we're in a time uh, in our world where we need people to deeply see others more than ever. And so uh, that's, that's what we're all about um, here. We don't ever claim to be experts in uh, leadership. You know, we obviously, we, we, we know a thing or two about it, um, but we prefer to learn from others. We want to house as much information and knowledge and knowledge from other individuals as possible. So our monthly sessions here in person, where we gather our leaders together, there's always a new guest. There's always a new presenter that's, that's teaching and training our leaders on this show, the podcast. We always have different individuals to provide different insight. And so we're trying to get all of that information, uh, as much information as we can. And what's amazing about it is it all connects to what we call the Rooted Leadership Framework, which is our core curriculum. It's our foundation for our institute um, for this podcast. Um, It's a framework that centers around an analogy of soil, seeds, and weeds. And if you listen to our episodes in the past, you've heard that referenced on many occasions. So I look forward to diving into the topic for today. So enough of me blabbing and let's introduce the guest before uh, she joins us on Zoom and before uh, I get Salam on the call as well. So our guest today is Kim Lemon. 
She is the executive director of a homeless shelter here for families, and it's called St. Francis Shelter. And I met Kim. Kim is actually an alumni of uh, Groundworks. So she went through the program last year, and I met her before that, just with some of the work that we do here in the community. Uh, Kim immediately sticks out. She's got high energy. Uh, she's very compassionate, empathetic. Um, she knows how to get things done. And so she's going to be an amazing guest to have today. And I'm looking forward to diving into uh, how she has applied the framework at the shelter, because it's pretty remarkable what she's done with her team, how it's impacted residents. And so look forward to to hearing more from about that uh, from her, as well as, you know, look forward to, to her sharing a little bit more about herself beyond, you know, what she does in the community right now uh, running the, the shelter. So stay tuned. Uh, I'll be right back. Just give me a few seconds. Thanks for tuning in to the Rooted Leadership Podcast. Before our guest joins, you can catch more episodes, leadership tips, and community stories by following us on Facebook at Groundwork Leadership, on Twitter at Groundwork Salem, or on our website at groundworkleadership.org. Okay, we're back. And with us, we have Kim Lemon, our guest today, and of course, our co-host Salam Noor. So thanks to the both of you for joining us via Zoom today. Hi, Chris. Hi, Kim. Good to see you. Hi, Salam. Great to see you. Uh, so, Kim, as I mentioned, I, I gave a brief introduction to um, who you are, uh, you know, before you, you joined, um, but would love to turn the time, time to you, uh, now to introduce yourself further, I will add, you know, for our listeners, I believe I, you know, just mentioned this, um, prior to you joining, but, you know, Kim was, she's an alumni of, of our, uh, leadership Institute. And I think Kim, we met before you actually participated in, in groundwork. I can't recall the exact moment or time, but, um, uh, obviously we've, we've known each other for a couple of years now. So, uh, happy that you're, you're on the show and please, please add to your introduction. I, I said, you're the you know executive director at the St. Francis shelter and, and, and that the St. That St. Francis shelter is a, you know, a, a shelter for, for families, um, um, that are experiencing uh, homelessness. So somewhere where they can, you know, um, get resources and, and get the help support needed and, and, uh, and that's, that's basically what I shared. So please, please, um, expound on, on that and who you are and, and what you do and why you do what you do. Sure. Thanks, Chris. I, I do remember exactly when we met and I'm going to share with that. I thought of this the other day. I'm going to share that with you in a little bit. Um, uh, my name is Kim Lemon. As Chris said, I'm happy to be here today. I serve as the executive director of St. Francis and we just, changed our name. So I'm going to, I'm going to uh, announce it here today. Oh, we're we St. Francis Family Housing. And because uh, we no longer serve as an emergency shelter, but we are a transitional housing program for, as Chris said, families with children who are experiencing houselessness in our community. And our job is to work with families and help them get into safe, permanent housing. And, um, uh, so do last I, so, year, so I'm, I'm, I need to correct some of my language there, right? Well, it was a quick, yeah, it was a quick change, but we really, we really have been sheltered. So you're not, you're not. Well, I said, I said families experiencing homelessness too. I want to be, I want to be right on and, and say, okay. They are both completely acceptable. They really are completely acceptable. They, I use them both 50, 50. All right. Um, 
but it's a it's a it's it's um really cool work because we get to work with um not just parents but these children mm-hmm. every day and um it has uh been a little bit of a challenge this last year because uh first covid hit in in um 2020 and so we had all of our at the time 46 kids um were home from school all day every day and um we were tasked with figuring out how to how to get them access to to those services too we didn't have hotspots and we didn't have and and it was just so clear to us i'm so um thoughtful about this you guys because we just you know what i mean it's just been about a year right it's just been a, a little over a year and so we were all our staff was recalling last year what that felt like for all of us when everything shut down, when there was so much panic, when schools stopped, when there was this, just this, the, even the buses for a few days, remember that in our community stopped running. Yeah. And there was this general, almost kind of anxiety and panic in our community and what it felt like, honestly, to be leading an organization at that time and responsible for so many families, so many people and staff. And then my own family <laughs> and and what that felt like last year and how, um, uh, how challenging that was yeah. and how really, really scary that was. Yeah. I, I, th- I think we would love to, to get into that, you know, later in the show as well, just the implications of, of, uh, you know, COVID that COVID had, uh, you know, in your leadership and, and, and your organization. Um, but tell us, uh, tell us a little bit more about kind of where you landed, how you landed where you're at and, and a little bit more about your background. Okay. Um, well, let's see, we are, it is April of 2021. So next month in May, it will be 10 years since I have been the director of St. Francis and, um, St. Francis was my, I was thinking back on this too, my first full-time job, um, since I had had kids at the time, 16 years ago. So I was a health educator by trade and I always taught um, um, health ed classes through Sam Clinic one night a week when my kids were little. Um, and that was that was my out of the house job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, was very involved at my kids' school and I ran school auctions and I did all, all of those great things, helped in the classroom. And um, that was, that's what, how I spent my days. And um, then... Uh, about 10 years ago, I um, I ended up uh, with a divorce that I didn't really see coming and um, in a situation that I never thought I'd be in. And it all just became very clear to me really um, quickly that everything I knew as I'd known it was going to change. And what I had to do was take care of my kid. And um, I, I, I was contemplating all of how that would work. And um, and what I would do, and, and I was a knock at my door, and it's a really, really rainy day, probably in February, and it was almost time to get the kids from school, but not quite. And there was a knock at my door, and there was this woman who I recognized as one of my kids' classmates' moms. So I knew her from that, and we worked on the uh, some PTA stuff together and auctions together, and I recognized this woman, Brina. And she had this piece of paper and it was all wet from the rain. And, and, and she knocked on my door and she said, um, I, I want to give you this application. I want, you, I want you to apply for this job because you were born to do this. And, and she hands me this thing. And it was like a, like a very old school application that you would fill out on paper for this place called St. Francis Shelter that I never heard of. 
and didn't know existed. And um, I was like, I can't do this. Like executive director, I can't, I cannot do this. I'm a, I'm a health educator. I teach weight management and smoke cessation. <laughs> I, can't, I can't run a 501c3, most certainly. Um, and so I, I kind of my salvation at this time is I had this running group and we were all training this group of great friends. They were more than a running group. We'd morphed into great friends and we were all training for the New York Marathon um, in November of 2010. And, um, and so I would go on Saturdays and, you know, we'd all have our things to talk about. And I said, oh, my gosh, and this woman brought me this application for this job. There's no way I can do that. And um, my friends uh, were like, well, now, wait, why not? You know, and and um, this guy, great friend of mine, uh, Chris Casebeer, he's 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 like, well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you apply for that? And I'm like, cool, can't do it. Then as it went on, the next Saturday, uh, so I applied. I applied because we decided it would be great practice to have an interview mm-hmm. if I got an interview. And um, so I applied and I got an interview. Then <laughs> mm-hmm. we all ran through that and we prepped through the to our long run that week. And um, and I was ready and I, and I went to the interview and I think I pretty much nailed it actually. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um, but I didn't get the job. Oh, I actually okay. didn't get the job offer you guys. So it turned, so the woman who brought me the application was on the board and that's how she, she served wow. on that board of directors. So I came in second. There was a person, a man who is not from Salem. Um, I don't, I don't know the whole story, but they, uh, but he had experience in residential housing. So he would have been a great choice. I supported their choice. Um, And this is a group of people who had been running this organization as all volunteers. They had not had a hired staff person yet. So I think they were very tired and just wanted to hand it over to someone who was experienced. And so they offered it to him and he never got back to him. <laughs> so a week went by and I'm like, so what's going on? Like, what are, what are we doing? <laughs> anyway, two weeks later, they offered it to me. I was the backup. <laughs> <laughs> so then I said, I got super duper brave. And um, uh, my friend who is now my husband, but my friend at the time said, ask for 5,000 more, ask for 5,000 more. <laughs> so I did. I asked my ass. I got really brave and I got it. Um, so I started with this tiny salary and this huge job um, that I was completely overwhelmed by and uh, actually had to go in and clean out like a kind of the storage closet because that was going to be where my office was. <laughs> and, uh, but we did it. Uh, we did it. And um, the first day I remember just being terrified. I drove in just like, what? Is, is, that, the same, no is that the same office you're in? Uh-huh. It looks really good now. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It looks pretty cool, actually. <laughs> my first desk was a Costco folding table <laughs> <laughs> and a folding chair. But I mean, I mean, it's so cool that you guys have been there because you, I mean, it's really cool now. And, yeah. um, and so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know how I would do it. And I didn't know how I'd relate to people. And I didn't know, I was aware that I really didn't know a lot about what I needed to know. Um, and, but I met these people and I met the families that live there. And I, um, again, I was the only staff person. <laughs> so um, there were other, you know, some volunteers who helped you know, This is how we've done this. And this is how we've done this. And, um, I learned really quickly, really quickly that these, these at this time, we didn't have when I first got this current time, there were only moms there. There were no dads. It was so clear to me that these women, not so different than me, 
and what they wanted for their children was exactly what I wanted. And that I was experiencing in my family the same feeling that I had failed my children, that they had felt. They were, we were feeling the exact same things. So this place that I was, that I, that I went, that I was sent (laughs) um, on my path, put me where I realized like the very first day, like we're all, we all are having the same experiences in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm feeling the same sense of sadness over things that my children are now experiencing that they are. And it connected us. It made me feel like, oh no, I can totally do this. I can totally do this. If I can find a place to connect with somebody on, and here this was just handed to me, and we were all in this position, except at the end of the day, I got to get into my car, and I could drive to the grocery store, and I could get groceries, and I could go home to my kids, and we were safe and warm and dry and fed. And I thought, okay, actually, for the first time in the last few months, I'm in gratitude. Mm -hmm. Because for a while there, I wasn't in gratitude. I was in victim, and I was in angry. <laughs> I was, um, and so it turned out to me to be a place of healing for me too. And a place to kind of learn what I was capable of. Because if someone would have said to me 11 years ago, this is what you can do. I wouldn't have believed it. And the way that St. Francis, Francis has thrived and grown and done so much good um, in the community, um, not just because of me, because our amazing board of director and our volunteers and now our, our, our staff of five people. Um, it's uh, the fact that I even get to be a part of that yeah. is such a gift. Well, that's, a, that's an amazing uh, origin story for your leadership there at St. Francis. And and I have to say that you're far from a backup, Kim. So that all that all <laughs> happened for a reason because you're the right person to to have been there then and and the right person now. So you're far from a backup. I I am a backup. I'm the I'm Salam's backup. He's the. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> so, but you know, Chris, um, I, I want to pick up on something that Kim just shared because it's really it's at the heart of of what this podcast is about it it's about you know rooted leadership and and what was interesting is is the way you described yourself going into this opportunity into this job and i was wondering you know that that probably stays with you forever and whenever you see a family come into the shelter so to speak uh, you probably see them through that lens and and it's it's this notion of deeply seeing you know you you see where they've been you see their current struggles or suffering and based on your own experience now you see where they could go and where they could you know where where the support that you give them you and your team can take them and I just I just couldn't help but think about this notion of deeply seeing because I got to experience that firsthand when Chris and I came over and did some filming and interviews with you and your staff. That notion of, you know, deeply seeing people and their humanity is 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 you guys, you know, because you truly see these families um, at, at, you know, at a, in a very deep way and in a very authentic and real way. And you help them. You know, you move them to that next stage in their life and you put them on a path towards success. 
So I just, I just was wondering how, um, how you guys operationalize that, you know, you, because I, I mean, you talked about your work as you're the only one that I know that does such hard work, but calls it cool work. I've been, I've been around you so many times. And when you start to talk about your work, you always refer to it as really cool work and it's hard work. Sometimes it's heartbreaking work. It's, it's, you know, it's challenging, but you have this wonderful attitude. And I think it stems from this notion of deeply seeing people and uh, just want to hear you talk a little bit about that and, and how that guides your approach to the families to the 46 kids that all of a sudden you had to provide education for and not just housing and shelter and, you know, the basic necessities of life. Yeah. Well, thank you. Those those are really kind words. I appreciate that very much. I, I love that you see that, that you saw that because we work so hard at it and hold each other really accountable. Um, Because you're right, Salam, there's days that is hard and heartbreaking and um and it and it's actually I was thinking about this you know it's kind of the yin and the yang of um seeing people deeply right when we see people deeply we get to see you know we get to know them on a on a like a soul level do you know what I mean where yes what their background is and what my background it doesn't matter and we're connecting as people as humans um in a lot of the cases at St. Francis it's mom to mom and, um, and I, that you get beautiful gifts from that. Right. But you also get a lot of pain because then these people share, share their, their stories and their background and their trauma with you. And, and to be honest, and I, I, uh, I think we, I've said this before, um, there isn't a family that does not come to us or, or through us or through our program that doesn't have a story that will bring you to your need. And so there's a certain like um, almost like stewardship to that, mm-hmm. that, that to, to listen to someone's story like that and to not um, and to really witness it as silly as that sounds. I don't know if those are the right words I'm using, but it's almost I almost feel like I'm witnessing their pain and they're they're sharing that. And sometimes we do take it on and feel it and, and are saddened by it. Um, and we've had to do a lot of work around that too, and around self-care and around trauma stewardship so that we can continue to, to do a good job with that and not take it all on and, and be fried. Um, oh, shoot, Salama, I was trying to think of what we were talking about. Okay, so the, the part about that's the cool work is this. So I feel like in some ways, um, um, I was like it feels like divinely sanctioned that I was at St. Francis when I was at St. Francis and then I still am. And, and that is my personal belief. And, and um, so when, when a family comes, that's a challenge. I sometimes have to go into my office and go, just have a second, like with my higher power and go, I'm guessing, you know, (laughs) what you've done here, but it's tricky. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a little bit mad about it right now, but I <laughs> try to be a really good job. And, and I think I, I, I think we talked about this before, but I, I really do. When I started there, you guys, I put my hand on the door every day and I would say, you are completely capable of anything that comes your way. Yeah. That's how I got myself through those first few months, even year. 
Now I put my hand on the door, I'm putting my key in and I say, make me a channel of your and that's a really different ask. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's a, yeah. it's at the, at the beginning, I didn't know if I had it and I, and I didn't know if I could do it. I really didn't. And now I know I can do it, but I yeah. just want to be what someone needs. And if I get up in my head too fast in the day, I might know what somebody needs. Yeah. So the reason that I ask to be a channel of peace is because I go fast and I, and I sometimes go I'm very efficient <laughs> and um, I always want to be present to really hear what someone is trying to say to me. And sometimes awesome. it's clear. Awesome. I love it. I love the way you approach your work. I think it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of nuggets to take away from, from what you've said um, and the context that Salam added, added, added to as well. Um, I have, you know, I wrote down three of them, right? You talked about the power of deeply seeing and a, I'm just kind of re recasting for any listeners, but you know the reason why this is just something I thought of as you were talking about that di- that dynamic of you know there's so much so much connection and and joy that comes from human connection that happens, but then you also there's a burden and and responsibility and there's even the the pain that you you know that you feel right um and, and, you know, and from a biblical lens, it's, you know, bearing one another's burdens, right, is what the Lord asks us to do. And, and, and that's not easy, and which is why I think that there's such a resistance to deeply seeing others, because it requires us, and we talk about this in, in the Institute, when we, when we deeply see others, it requires us to live life in a deeper way, which means that we are now more responsible and responsive to those around us. And and I feel like we run from that because we don't want that responsibility, right? We don't want to have to bear that. But the fact of the matter is, is that we already are, right? We're already connected to other people, whether we like it or not. But we're either connected in a together kind of a way or we're connected in a separate kind of a way. And so these people are around us, right? These families are around us. They're in our community right now. And we're connected to them already. But most of us, perhaps in a separate kind of a way, Um and what you're describing is just coming to terms with being connected in a together kind of a way where there is a responsibility that we have um, towards others. And, and that made me think of another, another nugget that's been discussed um, in, in your dialogue, and that is accountability. Um, and we talk about, about accountability quite a bit in the Institute, and, and we've recently just defined it more clearly um, through conversations that we've had. And this is kind of where we're at right now and how we define accountability. Because term accountability, we can get lost in, you know, the, the accountability structures and systems and things of that. And those are things of that nature. And those are all important. But the way we talk about accountability is much deeper than that. And, and we talk about it as being feeling responsible and being responsible to our impact on other people and both what we do and how we see them. And so everything that you're sharing in this journey that you've been on has been this journey that I'm hearing of a really heightened sense of accountability, um, not just to outcomes and, and what you do, but to how you see others. Uh, and I, and lastly, I also, and we can kind of move on, but lastly, I love your reference to, you know, uh, the higher, higher power, right? How whatever Whatever any of our listeners or any of us want to define as the higher power, divine, I think is imperative in leadership, right? Especially when we face really challenging circumstances. I honestly don't know how a leader can make it through challenges, or not just leaders, but people in general, without 
relying on some sort of higher power, whatever that is for us. Um, and I love that you are authentic in, in, in how you, uh, you know, uh, rely on that. Um, I think all of those are takeaways for any, any of our listeners. Um, but, uh, I do want to, want to kind of get into a little bit of your experience in, in groundwork and, um, and, and kind of go from there. But before I do, I mean, was there anything else that you wanted to add about, just you know who you are, and, and you know I, I'm really interested if you if you did the New York Marathon and how that went. You mentioned that a while ago. How did that go? We did it. Awesome. Yeah, we did it. We all <laughs> got to do it together. Like this whole group of five of us, um, like trained to, and and our group has done. I've done nine marathons. Wow. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, um, very impressive. Have <laughs> loved it. Have loved distance running. And the friend that was in the group that was like, "No, you would apply for that," and was pushing me, and uh, became my first board member when I. <laughs> there you go. When, uh, yeah. So that that that's been a that my um my running group and my running friends have been an amazing. All my friends actually, um, but the the folks that I've run with over the years have have become amazing friends and. It's awesome. Uh, very grateful for them. You you mentioned yeah. too that you have a story of when we first met. Am I okay? Am I yeah, not? Am I, I not in t- <laughs> Am I forgetting something that I should be remembering? <laughs> not at all. Not okay. at all. No. Uh, Salam, you were there too. It was um, you guys. It was that day that uh, at Magoo's. Oh yeah. Remember that oh, day? Yes. 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 And Chris, right. you and I sat next to each other. Yes. And you, we had just moved to town. Yes. And I was like, I think you just moved to town and you were trying to explain to me what you did for Matt West. And I was like, oh, huh. Yeah, yeah. I can't, that's interesting. I think huh. I was here for like well, five or so months, five, six months at that point. Yeah. Is that right? About mm-hmm. then? And it wasn't till later, till I think I took the outward mindset class that you did for the uh, Marion County Children yeah. and Families Committee. That I was like, hey, that's my guy. That's the guy that was sitting there. <laughs> and Salam, you came with Christy. And, you know, we had played the game and we had the whole, yeah. you know, uh, the lunch, that whole thing. Yeah. That is where I met both of you guys. But it wasn't till what do you think that was? Maybe two or three years ago? That was probably uh, a couple of years ago, yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 Three. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I met Salam there, but Chris, you and I sat next to each other. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I sat next to, did we know? Yeah. I sat next to you and uh, Christy was right next to us too. Yeah. yeah that's right. And then, and I think Salam was next to Christy. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. So I cool. met you with that. Well, thanks for sharing. Lunch. Thanks yeah. for sharing that you, you, you sparked that memory within me. So yeah. Fun. Sure. Well, I was going to ask Kim, you know what, so what, what keeps you motivated and inspired as a leader? And I, I appreciated the, the divine inspiration. And of course, there is tremendous tangible benefit uh, or not just not benefit. I'm sorry. There's tremendous tangible joy and pleasure in helping families, um, you know, achieve stability and and safety and putting them on a path towards success. But what motivates you? Um, what what keeps you? I mean, every time I see you, you're happy, you're joyful, uh, you're positive, you have this great energy. What's the source of all of that? Nine marathons, Salam. That's the secret. 
<laughs> it must be the marathons. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be exhausted just thinking about nine marathons, you know? it's They're great to finish. It's just the most fun thing in the world to just finish them. Um, it's the getting started part is that I the one I worry about. <laughs> right? One step at a time. Um, I think that I, I, I don't know. I actually was born this way a little bit. Um, I remember my mom saying sometimes as I was like this kind of whirling dervish, um, through the house and I'm the third of six kids, you know, so I'm sure she was like, Oh, for Pete's sake. (laughs) And I remember one time she just said, you're too much. You're just too much. And I was like, too much. What? She said, just too much. (laughs) Like, Oh, heavens. I suppose if you had six little kids, you know, one like me probably would feel like too much, but she is lovely and she's a lovely, um, she actually is the person in my life who taught me about, um, being aware of other people in the community of being aware that there were people who didn't have what we had. And at Christmas time, our family would help the Salvation Army and, and we would buy gifts for kids and, and we would help do meals on holidays at different. So we were, we were taught kind of from a young age, um, to help and to give back in our community. And, and so I think my mom probably, um, uh, sparked that light in me that, that, um, that idea that it's a gift to give back and it's a gift to connect. What I think is cool. The most cool thing about the work is back to the conversation about seeing people and seeing people deeply. If I had not done this work, I don't know if I could see people that I would have before thought were so different than me, as so similar to me. Like at the beginning, when I was terrified to drive to work, because how would I relate to any of those people? So I think what fires me up about this work is, is that I, I get to operate from that paradigm, right? That, that it's a gift to have these experiences, to get to meet all kinds of, of, of people and, and find this connectedness and then feel like you're celebrating for this person that now you see really deeply, um, you're celebrating their success. You get to be a part of, of this amazingness. You guys, we have a family that we just found out this week that, that was, was, um, the dad in this family was, um, has a background of severe addiction. They were homeless. They lived in their car. He got clean. They got back together. They moved to St. Francis. Um, they paid off their debt. They did a great job. They became our campus after hours managers. So they became our camp. They, they were on staff and they were the evening and weekend managers. They have been for a couple of years. And just this week, we learned that they, they finally, they've made a thousand offers, but they finally got a house this week. So, so to kind of just walk along that journey with those kids and we met them when they were little kids and now they're teenagers. I mean, who, who, who wouldn't get fired up by that, right? Who wouldn't get get um really excited about that but i think it's that i don't know i have to tell you something knowing people really deeply and being connected to people lights my fire so when i went through groundwork last year in the year of covid which i <laughs> i still think is is was an amazing time to do it um and to and to learn maybe the way of the the, the paradigm the framework and the the um Oh, you guys, what's the word I'm looking for? The words, the words that the, I can get it. Um, the narrative to use, mm-hmm. right? So I don't think that I w- would have ever talked about seeing people deeply. 
or I don't think I would have talked about seeing people and seeing and 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 what gets in the way of that and the weeds. And I don't know that I could have had those words, but now that I do, I feel like it's even more meaningful because I can describe, I can share it. And in the case of our staff, our team at St. Francis, we integrated it because there was a way to say it. Right. I mean, there was a there for me. I sometimes struggle with the right words at the right time and the way to say what I'm feeling because I feel things super deeply. So the gift to me of the of the rooted leadership, the groundwork was to be able to have this framework and the words and then take back to our team and say this. This is what I want us to do. This is how I want us to work and behave and function. Yeah, I, I think right. I didn't even answer your question. But that's- no, you did. You did. And, and okay. we saw evidence of that firsthand. And uh, you spoke to the language of the rooted leadership framework and, and the language. You're absolutely right. It's really easy to use, to understand, to apply and make me and make meaning of and of things as well. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Tell and tell us, uh, you know, as you started talking about your experience in groundwork. Tell us how, you know, the experience in the Institute, the introduction to the framework, the language, et cetera, how did that start to change how you um, saw your your work? Um, now, you, you've mentioned one thing, it gave you language to describe things that you always had thought and believed in, but now you had a language to, to describe it. But tell us a little bit more about, you know, what it did and how you maybe saw your work, how you categorized things that went on in at work, um, how you started to see challenges, problems, opportunities differently, you know, culture, things of that nature. Um, how did all of that change for you as you were experiencing, um, you know, the Leadership Institute and, and the framework, the Rooted Leadership Framework? Well, I think I... I think the way that changed for me, well, I know the way that changed for me is there's there's actually a few different ways that I was impacted pretty greatly in my leadership through that. I think one of the ways, and I'm I, I, I'm not sure I can say exactly when, but you know what I mean? We were rolling along and because there's a couple of things I'm going to talk about that I can say the time that I went, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But it was the idea that I could have actually a, a much stronger influence than I thought I could over the culture of St. Francis that I like knew how I operated and how I was comfortable operating. I wasn't always comfortable with how we were operating as a team. Does that make sense? Like I always felt like, like, Ooh, you know, that felt quite right. But I didn't know actually that it was my place, but really now I know my job to to have more agency over how we were as a team, as a program, as a, so it was, I think it, it taught me or I understood, or I had this aha moment that I can do that. You know what I mean? As a leader, I can affect change in here over this whole program and it can, you know what I mean? And now did I know that everybody was going to get on board as they got on board? I didn't know everyone was going to get on board so well or, 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 or want to learn this or, or, um, embrace this. Um, I always, I was always sometimes unsure if I was presenting it as well as it was presented to me, because some of it I was doing almost simultaneously. Like I would, you know, only be a month or two (laughs) behind what I just learned. So, um, but first of all, just the fact that 
not only you can be doing this, you likely should be doing this. And so that was the, that I had a little more agency than I thought I did. And um, um, another thing that helped me a lot in, uh, um, I'm do great when I hear speakers, when I hear people, when I align with people that feel just like I do, I get really psyched. I get fired up. I'm challenged when I don't understand someone, when they don't operate the same way I do, I'm challenged. And, and um, when I, one of the speakers that we had last year, um, Melissa, Melissa from New York. Yeah, Melissa Schilling, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was great. Um, I was, I missed that meeting. And so I was listening to her. I was listening to the recording, uh, I don't know, the next week. And it was just the way she was presenting it, the way she was talking about um, different people who are brilliant, but don't operate really conventionally, right? And and uh, Bill, uh, the Apple Bill guys. Gates. <laughs> yeah, that Gates Musk, and the guy, yeah. um, right, that that they brought him in at the end of the day to work all by himself because he just couldn't work with other people and those struggles and what that was, but, but that he had these yeah, amazing- Steve Jobs, yeah, Steve Jobs. Brilliant Steve Jobs. And he's brilliant, you know? And um, and how we get so caught up in wanting to be pe- people to be like us because that's easy. It's easy to hang around people like us and spend time with us, with people like us. It's a challenge to get the gifts and to understand and deeply see people who are nothing like us. And so I have a, a member of our team, an amazing member of our team who's freaking brilliant. And And sometimes I would just be like, huh, <laughs> we're not communicating at all. And I could sometimes not even see her gifts because I, I was, I was like, I, she wasn't like me. And um, so when she first started and this was, I mean, she'd been on staff for a while, but we, I don't think that we were working anything like we could have been working together and nothing like we work together now. Like I always joke that she is the wind beneath my wings because she's, she's everything I'm not. And how exciting as a leader to learn that the thing you need is everything you're not and to be brave enough <laughs> to bring in that person that's nothing like you and celebrate that they're there because um, because they're so different than we are. And that was the first, that was the first, I don't know, that was a big aha moment for me. No, Chris, I, I really can't help um, just listening to Kim and and this idea of deeply seeing and going back to the rooted leadership framework, I I want to share why you are truly a model of of leaders that deeply see. Because in our in our handbook, we talk about leaders who deeply see do the following: uh, they get rooted in, and what we mean by that is they know their why, and they embrace their why, and it allows them to thrive and to excel and do great things, just like you have. The second component is that they dare to explore social space. So when you were talking about seeing other people, recognizing that they are different from me, different from you, but there is so much to see and so much to learn and appreciate and value. It's seeing the humanity in others. The other is becoming emotionally transparent, is that we're not afraid to show our emotions. We're not afraid to feel other people's emotions, if you will. And the last piece is using your suffering well. And I really love that because it also touches on, on humility. We don't know everything and we're willing to accept that. And through that, we see others and, and we can do more, in fact. So 
I just wanted to mention those four characteristics of leaders who see deeply because you've touched on them. We didn't necessarily describe them in this fashion, but uh, you provide a great model and a great example of leaders that deeply see. Yeah. I, I, amen to that. I mean, it, uh, you're, a you, uh, you're, the, you're the, you're the mascot of that section, if you will. That was, um, everything you're saying is just, it's spot on and, and it's authentic. I mean, this, this is who you are. And, and of course, Salam and I, you know, know that cause we've been able to, to get to know you and, and become friends. Um, you know, you've, you've talked a lot about in, empowerment, right? Uh, just something that, that the experience and groundwork and the framework gave you was you use the word agency, but um, you know, the, it, it gave you the, the uh, empowerment you needed to realize I can't, I can do this. I do my thing. And, and you said there's sometimes it didn't always feel right with, with uh, maybe how the team was, you know, and, and I think everybody can relate to that. It's like, uh, thinks he'd probably be better, but I'm not quite sure what to do. Um, that's not a foreign thought, right. But it gave you, you know, the, the confidence, the empowerment, well, here's what I can do. Um, and I also love that you said, you know, what you need is everything that you're not. Um, it really takes uh, humility to, to see that, um, uh, especially as leaders. So love that. Uh, and now, you know, last year you, you actually presented at one of our months, you're a presenter this year, you're a mentor to some of our leaders. Um, so you're being an amazing uh, alumni and we hope that 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 continues, you know, into future years, but, uh, really, really interested now and want some of our listeners to, to see, cause I talked about this before we started recording, but this is exciting to me because we talk about the framework all the time and usually it's very abstract and, and theoretical and there's practical components to it. But I believe you're, you're our first guest. It's not like they don't exist. There's plenty out there, but for some reason you're our first guest where, where we know that you went back, you applied it, and there's some cool things to share. So um, share with us, you know, what that was like, you know, from that moment where that you've told Salam and I to where you were facing challenges and you looked at your handbook, your your groundwork, you know, your rooted leadership handbook on your desk and like, oh, here, I'm just going to turn to this. And then you started to actually, in your own way, I mean, it's not like we were telling you what to do. You, you, you did it how you thought and knew would be best with your team started to introduce them to the the concepts the ideas how what that did for them they defined their own soil you know and it impacted them individually and even some of your 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 residents the families there uh share share that that story um uh cuz i think it's it's profound and and can help a lot of people know that you know this framework is it can be applied right away and and make a, dif- a difference sure absolutely um, so that is exactly what happened. I was I was um, frustrated about how how things were you know just things were going in this and it was a it was a freaking challenging year. I mean it was our hardest year we've ever had, and um, and we have an amazing team and they were tired. <laughs> and, um, and so whenever, you know, it was not, we, we were, uh, it felt just like one challenge after another. And I was trying to find something that would, um, not, not 
inspire. That's not the word, but give us something to hang on to kind of, you know what I mean? Give us a, give us a, we just felt in lots of ways that we were, we were certainly getting through the day. And if you looked at us, I don't think you would have known it, but I think we were struggling and we were looking for a, um, something that we could hold on to, something that we could function from, something that we could, that would just give us a little bit of, um, I don't know, a, a, just something to hang on to. Stability, stability. Um, and and how am I going to say what I'm trying to say? And um, and and this is all before a staff meeting. And um, and I and honestly, looking you know, looking on my desk, and and there was that there was my handbook from the you know that I got in January, and this was probably. June or July. And, um, and I just picked it up and I thought, oh, maybe, maybe there's a quote in here. <laughs> and um, I was looking for a quote and, uh, and there were lots of quotes in there, but there was so much more. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so, so then it all just like the conversations we'd had, the meetings we'd had, the um, speakers we'd heard up to this time. And I was like, I'm totally going to do this. I'm going to go in and I am going to share with everybody what I'm learning and I'm going to share with everybody. And I think this will give us like a, like a, like the, the thing we're looking for to kind of work together with the, the, the model that we can work together on. And, and, um, and I think I was a little bit bumbly at first, but they were super patient. Um, and then, and then they just started to, they all just, we started just having these great conversations around it and these, and, and, um, because everybody, I mean, you, if you work at a transitional housing program for families experiencing homelessness, you're a leader. <laughs> it doesn't matter what your position is. You're a leader. And, and we're leaders. Everyone there are leaders to these families. And then these families are leaders to other families. So it's a, it's a great place for, for this model. And, um, and we started talking about our soil. And we, we started talking about how our, how our soil felt. And, then, and just as simply as how we wanted it to feel. And then fast forward that all the way to when did we get together in February, where we were having whole um, conversations about the words now that we use to describe our soil and the words that, that and the way that we talk about our weeds and the way that we, um, it's just what we gave us this really healthy paradigm to work from. And um, and so really quick before I forget, today we were interviewing groups. We we want to hire a group to come in and do some diversity, equity, inclusion work with us. And there's different groups that we were interviewing. And this one woman got in and she said, well, here's how I work with teams. She said, I get in and I kind of want to till the soil. And everybody went, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> they were so excited. They think she thought we were nuts. And I just said, you're speaking our language. <laughs> so so it was just really, isn't that funny that we would react like that to someone saying tilling the soil? Because it just felt like, oh, yeah, like that's what we do here, you know, and um, which led to this kind of then re-excitement about the about about it and so it, uh, someone said once a month at a staff meeting let's have it be a a rooted staff meeting let's let's have it be like you know a um, a refresher and a talk about it and how are we feeling about it so I said okay yeah well that's really cool we'll do that so um I think I think I, I I would like to say that I was astute and knew this would be the perfect thing but honestly I I picked it up searching for something um and it turned out to be just just what uh we needed just what our team needed and and we st- and we love it and that's how we roll now. And that's, we were that's working we on some forms to do. That's how we roll. And we were working on some forms. And I don't, 
I don't like making forms. It's not my thing. I'm not a form maker. There's none, none, none of my gifts come out. And but but so I was trying to say as everyone was working on a form, like it does not feel like a kind form to me. I do not. I am not. I don't think that that form shows that our soil. Um, I don't think that that form does not show the words that we said that our soil um, used to describe our soil. I don't think that those people can make that form. <laughs> so it was just the way that we could circle back and say, it's not, it's, that's for us, not for our, the folks we serve. We need to make this be for the folks we serve. So turning it, switching it so that it then matched the words we use to describe our soil. But it was a great way to say, I don't think this is loving. I, I think this is a form we're making for ourselves. We're not, we need to make it for our families. So we fixed it. We got it where we wanted to be, but it was a, it was a language that we can all understand. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about, um, you know, this whole, there's a lot, lot to love about this story, but, uh, you know, we define, we define in the Institute what soil is and listeners, you know, know, know that by now. Um, but essentially it's the people, right. And, and indicators of our soil's health are manifested through like a culture of an organization. And what I like about what you did was you sat down with your team, you know, after, after a few sessions, if I remember correctly, of them just sitting on the ideas, you know, you introduced soil and told them about it. You introduced seeds, told them about it, weeds, told them about it, let them sit with it and had some discussions, kind of like a book, book study, um, uh, you know, on those concepts. But then eventually you sat down and you guys defined, you all defined what you want your soil to be like. Um, and then you came up with those list of, of words, which I thought was, was amazing. Right. Um, and, and then now they're, now they're, they're accountable to it. Uh, you know, they, they are the ones that defined it and it's impacting decision-making. Like you just said, you know, these forms, whatever it is that we're, we're doing. I mean, our organizations and communities, we're all constantly thinking of policies and procedures and things of that nature. And, you know, I love that the framework has been informing how you make those decisions. I think that's one of the intents of and best uses of the framework is when we need to make decisions that have impact on on multiple people, on others, we need to be taking the framework into account um, when we're doing that. So I love that that component. And that's a really tangible, incredible outcome is it's impacted your decision making. You gave us a, a great example. Are there any other sort of outcomes that you've seen over the last several months um, because of your effort to apply this, this framework? Yeah, it's um, certainly that also as a team, I think that our team, I know, um, uh, sees each other deeply and makes really, really strong efforts to do that. And to and to celebrate the differences in each other and to get excited about something that that person might be excited about that they might have rolled their eyes before. So so I love that as a team. But the part that's been kind of cool, and this is still in its infancy for us, but the part that's kind of cool is we are working on when we talk to families, when we work with families to also give them a little bit of this paradigm of this model, because what I love about it, it gives us a way to talk to each other but it takes away blame and it takes away name calling and it takes away judgment. You know what I mean? So we can discuss a conflict, but we can call it the weeds 
and we can talk about soil, but we're not talking about you and you, right? I mean, so it allows us to to have conversations and it gives people a way to have conversations without maybe a traditional way um, of talking about conflicts that make people, that can cause people to be defensive. Yeah. And um, it takes away those pieces. So we are working with those, with, with families on that, if there's conflicts between families, but also between parents and children. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that you're introducing, and you've mentioned a couple, you've shared a couple of stories of how you've introduced it to, to some of the, the families there, but you know, in, in the research we're conducting right now in the framework, it's my guess that one of the, one of the, the aspects of the organizational and community space that the framework will impact the most is conflict. And I think greatly because the, it, it, it helps, you know, theoretically it helps individuals understand that conflict is going to be there. Just like weeds in a garden are always going to show up. And we even have a quote in the handbook that says, you know, no gardener ever, I, I'm, this isn't word for word, but something along these lines, no gardener ever or farmer or, you know, what have you will ever be able to rid their soil completely of weeds. They're just going to happen. doesn't matter how much treatment you give it, whatever you do, weeds are just part of the mortal experience that we all share. And we call what we, what we mean by weeds in the real world is conflict and conflict is the same way. It's always going to be there. It's always going to happen. So that alone, I think, gives people the understanding that, well, conflict's normal. So, you know, just like a weed is, let's figure it out. And and not just figure it out. Let's not just yank it at the top or cut it off at the top or spray some weed killer on it. Let's actually get to the root of it. Um, and so it get, just that basic framework to help us, again, categorize what's going on and then address it, I think, goes a really long way. Um, it sounds like that it's helping on on that end for for you all at St. Francis, and that's my guess of what how this framework is going to be helpful, you know, to those that we are conducting research with, and and for those that use it, you know, there on there from here on out is it's going to help engage in conflict um, at a deeper, more transformative level, rather than just plucking it at the top like most of us do. Right, we just pluck it up at the top. Um, we're actually going to get to the the roots of it. So. I love that you shared that. I love that there's it's impacted decision making, team culture, you know, you're introducing it to families. It's impacted how you engage and talk about conflict. Um what else? I mean, what what else have you have you seen uh, any kind of specific examples? I I know you shared some examples during the fires that you know we experienced um here in Oregon this last late summer early fall. Um but is what other things have you seen the framework impact? Uh, was that what I don't remember the stories I shared early? Was that about the families and we thought they would come to? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. So that was a really so that was interesting. But I was going to tell you before I forget, I was working with a family yesterday. I was working with a mom and her teenage kids, and I was we were we were working on some parenting things and some coaching. And I was thinking to myself, I got to talk Chris and Salam because we need a rooted parenting. Like, wouldn't that be cool? Like a two point because what I was trying to trying to help this mom with was to see this kid deeply. You know what I mean? Which when you think about it would be a real challenge if this child had had trauma and the trauma came from some of the decisions you made. It would be devastating to try to see that person deeply mm-hmm. because there would you would write. I mean, there would be a lot around that. So we were yeah. having this. I, I she was 
you know, it, it, right? I, you can see that as a, you would not want to look at this, this person deeply because you might feel like some of what that child was struggling with might've been because of decisions. So we were, we were having a conversation around it and I was thinking, Ooh, if we could get like rooted parenting 2.0, that might be really cool. We, we are, we are actually going to be working on uh, expanding the curriculum to employees of organizations. So it's not just focused on leadership. Um, and oh, also, yeah. also to families, you know, rooted at home mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, yeah we, we could are, used we, to talk about that. We yeah. could use that. We could use that program at St. Francis. Yeah. That'd be super cool. Um, but because, but it just made me really go, oh, you know, anyway, so uh, we do that a lot with the parenting, but it, what was interesting is, um, and, and one of our favorite things to say at St. Francis is honestly, we don't know what we don't know. And, and so it's really easy in our work to try to, we're fixers, right? We want to help. And so, um, but we're never going to know everything about a family or everything about that happened to a child that we're working with. That's, that's simply not going to happen. And so the most important work I think in our work is not to assume that we know, not to decide what we know, what this person needs, um, but to see them deeply. And then it will always be revealed to us. So the fires came, the fires came fast, right? And, and um, it was horrifying and devastating and so many homes were lost. But, but you know, that in that count of the homes that were lost, there were also all these not counted homes, you know, that were tents or, or non-working campers or what we would not maybe consider homes, but they were places that people had shelter and that they lived. And so all those families were displaced too. And and um, none of those people were insured and none of those structures could have been insured. So these people were just, they lost everything and they were homeless. So we like jumped into action and we're like, we know how to do this. And, and we, we had just had a fundraiser, our first virtual fundraiser. And, and, and we wanted to help with some families in hotels while, before we could get them into St. Francis and why we could. And we just had this whole huge plan and we were ready to rock. And and, and we, <laughs> we were there ready for the people to come to us and, and we would help them and they never came. There were a few phone calls the first day. There were a few the second day, but nobody came. And so I was asked to be on this rehousing team that was meeting at Sandy M Hospital. And, and, as, and so I went up and as I began working up there, that's when I had this awareness and I came back to Salem and I said, you guys, they're not coming. They don't want to be here. We have to go there. And we had never, ever considered or considered going to a different area and, and, and working there and um, providing assistance there. We, that wasn't, that wasn't, it just had not occurred to us. So through the fires, we had this awareness that we didn't know what folks needed or where they wanted to be. And so um, then we dedicated a, one of our case managers and, and half of her entire 20 hours a week, she was up in the canyon helping folks with applications, with FEMA applications, with free housing. Um, and then we were able to help so many families, dozens and dozens of families into housing when we learned what they needed by by not sitting, waiting for them to come to us, but being willing to be open and learn and flexible and nimble and, and go, oh, okay. So the way we've always done it isn't going to serve these families, but they need to be served. So we'll go there. So that was a huge aha for us. I mean, talk about doing it the way we've been doing it. Yeah. 
Go yeah, ahead, I would say that's an innovation. Yeah, I mean, I, you're reminding me of the seeds section. And I, I know that's where Chris is probably was thinking too. Uh, it is an innovation in terms of the way you do business. And uh, it really takes deeply seeing people and humility. You know, I really love what you said. We don't know what we don't know. And I think if you approach your work with that notion, then you're open and you're more amenable to trying new and different things. And uh, one of the things that we talk about is desire and want. And the desire has this broader sense of good, if you will. So the want is, is to make the job convenient for me. You know, this is what we do. And by doing it, um, I satisfy my obligation. And that's a want, is that I feel good about, you know, making the effort. But the desire is to really have that, that greater impact. And I think through your desire, you were able to reach those families that were so adversely impacted by the fires. And uh, I think that shows great leadership and, and humility, I would say. Yeah, I was thinking the same, the same thing. And I remember speaking with some of your staff in those interviews. That was when we started talking about seeds and innovation. That's where those stories were, where that, where that story was coming up. Um, so we are, you know, we're right at, uh, right at our time, time limit here. It's like, I lost track of time because these are, this conversation has been so engaging. It's been fun to talk, speak with you. Has been. Um, but I want to, I want to have us wrap up just so we can kind of keep within our, our window here. Um, but, uh, maybe in closing you can share, you know, if you had, if you had, uh, an audience of, of all of our community's leaders, um, you know, and, and you had, uh, 30 seconds to share with them something that, you know, they would listen to and think about and apply. What would, what would those things be? I mean, anything, what would it be that you would share with them? I, I want to say that my greatest takeaway from participating in, in, in groundwork my greatest takeaway is that in the hardest year that we've ever had, I have been a happier leader than I've ever been and uh, a less burdened leader than I'd ever been. And that is a really interesting thing to say after such a challenging year, but it's been the, it was the principles um, of, of groundwork and it was the seeing people and seeing people deeply. And, um, and that has, I'm, I'm happier in my life. I'm happier in my work. I'm happier as a member of my team. And um, I, I don't always equate leadership with happiness. <laughs> so for me, that has been um, the biggest gift and, and, and um, the awareness that I have that is most striking for me. That's, uh, that's amazing. I, that's, thanks for sharing that. Um, uh, it, it's, uh, it feels good to hear that. <laughs> Uh, it feels good to hear that because it has been a challenging year and and so many of us have, you know, reached for many different things to to deal with it, to, you know, cope with the challenges and and it's it's good to hear that that our, our framework around a simple analogy and an institute that, you know, um was cre- created here for our community ha- has had an impact on on you um in that way. So thanks for sharing that. I wish I wish we had more time. I say I say that often, but I really do. You know these these hours go by 
very quickly. Um, and, uh, unfortunately they, they got to come to an end, but, uh, sure. Appreciate you, Kim. I'm grateful for our friendship that, that we have and, and your participation in groundwork, you know, last year and, and now as an alumni, um, just appreciate you in, in, in many ways. So thanks for, thanks for joining, joining us today on the show and, and sharing some of your insight and your experience and your stories. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And, um, I, um, and Salam, appreciate you guys so much as at first, as, as leaders of our group and, and, and now as friends and, and colleagues and, and, um, I'm just another one of the many gifts <laughs> of this experience. I think I'm going to call you cool Kim from now on. Cool Kim. <laughs> Hey, I am not very cool. So I'm telling you, you right now, I'll take cool. that. I will take that, man. You are very cool. You are very cool. And uh, yeah, you ran nine for anyone that makes the type of work that you do look cool and sound cool and feel cool, that makes you cool. Seriously. So cool. thank you so much for what Bless you do, you. Kim. I, I really you. appreciate you and I appreciate what you do in our community and for community for our community. And it is a gift to have someone like you and your team um, change lives and transform people's lives for the better and puts their kids on a trajectory for success. Thank you. All right, Kim, Salam. Uh, it's been it's been fun. So thank you both for 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 joining me on our show and, and thanks to any listeners that have tuned in. Um, you know, a lot a lot to think about here um, from what's been shared and. Hopefully any of you uh, listening can can take this into your personal, professional life and, and apply some of these principles that we've talked about. So until next time, take care and be safe.